Hey guys, how's it going? Matt from Foulball Productions here. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that you're doing well. I'm doing phenomenally. Thank you so very much. It's the MFR Podcast number eight. All eight. The infinite symbol. The symbol of eternity. Much like this podcast will go on for eternity. So I hope you're ready for billions of episodes because they're all coming right at you with me and Luke. Although, Luke's not here right now. He literally just jumped off like a second ago, which I thought was pretty rude. I thought that was pretty rude considering, um, you know, you, you, most of the reason you tune into the show is to see him, not to see me, is to see Luke. And uh, I guess he's going to make you wait. I'm sorry about that. I do deeply and genuinely apologize. Um, but I'm sure he'll be back. You know how he is. He's a fluffy boy. He's a fluffy boy. How you doing on this Wednesday morning or whatever time you might be consuming this show? I'm doing well, although it is not quite Wednesday morning. For me, it is still Tuesday evening, 11.30 to be precise. And I'm pre-recording the show. But I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. Look, and look who it is. It's the fuzzy boy. I told you he'd be here. I told you his fuzzy face would show up. And here he is. Here he is. What you all came to see. Little floofy boy, Lucas. Little floofy face. Little floofy face. As I was saying, uh, I hope you're doing well. Hope you're doing well. Last week's show, quite successful for me. Quite successful. All told, uh, across YouTube and uh, all the other uh, podcast platforms, over 160 views. Which... Isn't significant necessarily, but for me, for a standalone show, that is quite good. Um, but I was very proud of that. I was very happy with that. I was like, that's great. That's really marked progress, and I really appreciate everyone coming to check out the show. And we're just going to continue to grow. Don't you know? Don't be a hoe. Watch this show! <laughs> uh, little rhyme scheme for you. You know, just off the top of my dome. Just off the top of my dome. Uh, yeah, um, so big news this week is uh, the Ripiverse launched, which was humongous, humongous. Now, we've been hearing about the Ripiverse for a long time. If you're unfamiliar, the Ripiverse is a comic book universe created by YouTuber and personality Eric July, young Ripa, who's a big comic book fan and has been moaning the destruction of... Uh, our IPs, comic books included, uh, for a long time. And I, at some point, he decided that uh, instead of being part of the problem, he was going to be part of the solution, which is pretty interesting because I've been, I've been reading a little bit about stoicism recently, and uh, that's kind of one of the tenets of stoicism is things are neither good nor bad. They just are, and it's up to you to kind of uh, try to make it good no matter what which I think is a really empowering way to look at things. It's not the easiest way to look at things, but it's a very empowering way to look at things. And for instance, not even including the Ripiverse, apparently throughout history, some of the biggest companies of all time uh, were founded during economic depressions or recessions. Uh, I was listening to this book by this stoic, um, I guess he's a philosopher, a teacher, this guy Ryan Holiday. He's a bit of a personality. He's kind of like uh, Jordan Peterson-ish. But he focuses very much on just stoicism and stoic teachings, which is really interesting. He's a fascinating guy. I've been, I've been liking his videos a whole lot. Um, but he listed off all these companies, major companies, some of the biggest in the world, that were started on a downturn. Uh, and he talks about how Rockefeller 
the original Rockefeller, how he would see the uh, downturns in the market and see how people would move in herds and he would make choices and stuff sort of contrary to that. Not always contrary, but just wisely. He would take a look at the landscape. And if you think about it, that's exactly what Mr. Eric July is doing right now. We are in a drought of good content, especially genre content. Uh, we don't have many good TV shows. We don't have many good uh, uh, movies, comic books. It's all, it's few and far between. Some slim pickings. There's the comic skate people that are out there, um, but there's not. There's just not all that much. So Ripa, Mr. July, saw the gap, saw the hole in the market, and acted, and to resounding success. It's quite remarkable how successful this campaign has become. Uh, I personally myself did buy uh, comic variant C, which is a question mark, you know, because I'm a bit of a risk taker. I'm a bit of a gambler myself, a bit of a maverick out there. So I wanted to uh, <laughs> I wanted to uh, see what that one's going to be because they show you uh, cover A, cover B, and I went with cover C, which is mysterious. I did not opt for the signed copy, but I did get it. It's 96 pages or whatever, and I guess it'll be here in uh, in July or sorry in August, which is pretty exciting. And I'll probably do a review on it. You know, uh, take a look at the content. It sounds dope. It sounds really interesting. We were talking about this a little bit on the. Uh, cocktail lounge and how there wasn't a whole lot of information about the property itself. Well, there's plenty out there now. There's plenty out there now about this guy, Isom, uh, who's the, the hero of this story. Avery Silman is a common rancher, but that wasn't always the case. After obtaining some unique abilities, Avery spent a brief stint being a hero under the moniker Isom in the city of Floor Park, Texas, realizing that it wasn't for him. He walked away from this life, but after responding to a call from his sister, some violent altercations ensue, and as Avery reconsidering his approach. What happened? Grab item number one to find out. I'm really excited about this. And even if I don't actually like it, it's an amazing, an amazing thing he has done here. Uh, he has a very large following. I've also a very loyal following. You know, it's not a lot of fair weather people. The people who watch Ripa really watch Ripa. And he's very smart in the way he structures his content, right? He has his live streams that he does, but then he unlists them and you have to become a member to review them, like to see them again, which I was like, that's a pretty smart way because it also creates demand when he's on the air. And also, if you really want to see it, you can go become a member and check it all out, which I think is really smart. So looking at the campaign right now, uh, as it stands at 1130 on Tuesday evening, he is currently at $1,229,464.33 in total revenue. That is 1,229.46% of his intended goal. That is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Now, I don't know how much of that goes back into his pocket, how much of that's going back into the company, how much that's going back into future properties. I don't know. But he said, I think he said on Friday Night Tights that the number one goal was recouping the $200,000 that he invested in this. Well, it does seem like he may have gotten there with essentially a million dollars plus to spare in less than 48 hours. That is unfriggin' believable. And I am so happy for the guy, so proud of him, and also happy for all of us and inspired. I mean, 
you know, there was a time when Marvel and DC were not companies, right? They didn't exist. And then they did. And people started consuming and they became the mainstream comic brand, right? And there's also been, you know, there's Image, Dark Horse, there's other comic brands that were out there. But I mean, with this much of a launch, who knows what this could be, could become? Could this become the new outlet uh, for comic books? I don't know, but it is spectacularly remarkable and it's a really great thing and it's an inspiring thing. It's absolutely inspiring to me. I uh, I have been 100% guilty of being a cynic, feeling powerless, uh, feeling like, you know, there's nothing I could do. I'm just kind of at the mercy of these mega corporations and their commie agenda. Um, but here's proof that you don't have to be. You don't have to be a victim if you choose not to be, which I really respect. And, uh, you know, it's kind of funny because me and Vigilante Williamson were talking about this a little bit on the newly relaunched Culture Crime Fighters, which you can go see on Vigilante Williamson's channel right now, the 64th episode of the Culture Crime Fighters, we were talking about this very thing, how Eric July basically decided to create. And it kind of reminded, I don't know, it started to make me think, you know, it started to make me think about all these things because I have a creative past. I, I spent a lot of time in Hollywood trying to be an actor, and on the side, I would write things. I've written a TV pilot. I've written a few short films. I have, you know, several dozen half-completed, discarded ideas, but I've put in time, right? I wouldn't call myself a professional in any sense, but I've put in time, and uh, I like doing it. I like writing. I think it's really fun. It's something that I just, I really enjoy finding out what happens as I'm writing it. It's a thrill. You know, I, I usually have a framework of where it's going to go, but then the in-between part, I don't necessarily know as I write. And that's what's really fun. It's like I'm experiencing this story for the first time, and since I'm creating it, there's no world more vivid, right? It's literally in my head. I can see it. So it's a really fun thing, and I started revisiting uh, a kids animated short or uh, animated series idea I had, and it was super fun to just get back into that world and start writing again. And, uh, you know, watching Eric July's success and uh, proof of concept that it can happen, that other, you can create things independently that are successful. And that combined with uh, a lot of the things that I've been listening to in these Stoicism podcasts. Like I listened to a podcast with Jack Carr, the writer of The Terminal List, was equally – is similarly inspiring because it talks a lot about – the creative process, like the sort of journey that you go on when you are a creator, when you are trying to accomplish something like this, like finishing a story, which if anyone, if you've ever tried, you understand is actually immensely difficult, much more difficult than you would think, that actually just finishing the thing is incredibly hard. Um, and it was talking about that. They were talking about that together, and they were talking about the Stephen Pressfield thing. And then I, I just remembered the days when me and my buddy were writing this television pilot and how enthralling that experience really was, how enjoyable it was, how uh, enriching it is, and all those things made me want to go back and start writing again. So it's uh, it's it's pretty cool, man. This is a, this is a good thing. You know, it, it's inspired me. It's inspiring others. I, I think it could really make an impact as far as uh, content is concerned. And, you know, what's interesting about it, I mean, this, this guy by himself, a single-handedly essentially – launches this comic book universe to the tune of $1.2 million in 48 hours. And there's like 
no media coverage. <clears throat> very, very little. The only thing that comes up is bounding into comics. If you look, if you search Ripaverse and then go to news, it's all bounding into comics. The Daily Soap Dish. Um, all, all bounding, all bounding, all bounding. And I think there's a Blaze... Uh, a Blaze Media article. I mean, that's it. But I think that's pretty interesting, right? I think that's actually kind of a, a good sign, if you ask me. Because if they're intentionally not picking up the story, if they're intentionally burying it, to me that indicates that it's a threat, right? And they don't want this story to get out. He keeps talking about them like being the old guard and this kind of, you know, the establishment media and all that. And I think he's 100% right. Like, we don't need them. We just always believed we did. And now he's proving that you literally can just create something and it can be successful on its own without celebrities, without, you know, big press campaigns, without doing morning shows, without all the traditional machine shit. He has built his own audience. And it's an unbelievable thing to see. It's remarkable. It's encouraging. It's inspiring. And I'm really happy to see where this goes, how big it becomes, uh, what the book is like, and really just to watch this story grow. And who knows, you know, what else this will embolden. This could embolden another creator, someone who, uh, you know, in a different medium or I, I don't know. I mean, I certainly don't have a crystal ball, but I am really excited by this whole Ripaverse thing. And I think it's a great thing. And uh, I encourage all of you to check out as much as you can. See if you're interested in buying the comic book, Isom number one. There is a bit of a trailer out there. The art looks cool. The story sounds cool. It all just seems like a great, really interesting thing that I think uh, is worth your time if you haven't checked it out. Uh, however, as excited as I am, does seem not everyone is as thrilled, which is pretty goddamn funny. So this is one of the few articles reporting on this story. Uh, this comes from to us from Bounding Into Comics, which you probably all know quite well because I use this outlet quite often. Vigilante Williamson does as well. Uh, and it's just one of those things that like is a pretty good news media outlet for basically patrolling entertainment and finding the little the new developments in the war on the woke which can get kind of exhausting but it's there if you if you need it and uh this one so this this title says comic book subreddit bans eric july's ripaverse comics for quote supporting comics from hate groups like the audacity the other audacity, and that's what, that's what's just you really need to listen to a lot of these people. Like when they st when they repeat certain things, like oh, violence, you know, safety, hate groups. Like they use these kind of lightning rod terms to create a reaction and to create some validity in what they're doing, no matter whether it's bullshit or not. And that's that. There's one of these. That's like a like. Well, they always, they always talk about dog whistles. That That's 100% a dog whistle. When they say hate group, that's a dog whistle. What it means is uh, they are actively against their worldview. And, you know, I guess from their point of view, if you're trying to change the entire planet into seeing things your way and adopting your worldview, from your point of view, this would be a hate group. But... The ball's on you to call it a hate group when it's literally just a guy 
who's a libertarian who doesn't put up with their nonsense and is making his own thing, to call that a hate group is hilarious. Eric July's launch of his Ripiverse comics was banned by the comic book subreddit, which touts over 2.5 million true believers. 2.5 million. And they patrol it like it's Chinese media. Like, don't you dare speak ill of the state or we will ban you. We will unperson you in a second. And apparently they did. Uh, and also, I mean, look at this art. Like, it's featuring all these black dudes, right? Like, I thought that was such a big part of what you wanted in your media was more diversity, more representation, right? You know, if you're the type of person who's concerned with hate groups, you know, wouldn't this be right on your list? It's like, no, because they're he's not down. He's not down with the plan. Twitter user Uncapped Turtle shared a screenshot showing the subreddit banning July's promotional video for Ripperverse Comics titled Welcome to the Ripperverse. Not only was the promotional video banned from the subreddit, but the user attempting to share it was also permanently banned. How dare you come into this comic sphere and tell us about a comic books company we don't want to hear about? Hate group! Bigot! Ah! It's unreal. It's unreal. It's like they, people like a thing. It gets, you know, populated with all these friggin' weirdos, all these activist folk. Then people leave, create their own thing. And then if you create your own thing, now it's a hate group. It's absolutely pure tyranny. Like there is no other word for it. It's pure tyranny. Get on board with the program or get lost. That's their whole worldview. It's tyranny. There's no, there's nothing else, no other word for it. But uh, it doesn't matter because $1.2 million in revenue in 48 hours. Not even 48 hours. Like 38 hours, 36 hours. Crazy. An error message on the post reads, Sorry, this post has been removed by the moderators of our comic books. Moderators removed the post from feeds for a variety of reasons, including keeping communities safe. This whole safety thing. How could a Reddit forum be unsafe? I remember the Opie and Anthony Reddit became the most toxic sewer of anti-Anthony and Jimmy hate that I, I've ever seen. I've never seen just like – like it, it's like in that Rick and Morty episode where they, they go to the, the toxic realm. That was the entire subreddit just dripping with ooze and goo. It was horrible. I, I couldn't believe the, 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 the – so negative. Uh, well, I just stopped going. I was never unsafe. It was just disgusting, so I didn't go. This whole thing, what do you you need to keep me safe from? Things I don't want to hear? Abusive language? That is solved really easy with a click, click. Oh, my safety is complete. I was never unsafe. I was never unsafe. I hate when they use that word, safety. Also such a chick thing to say. Um... A message from a moderator then stated, you have been permanently banned for participating in our comic books. You can still view, subscribe, but you will not be able to post or comment. If you have a question, you can ask the moderator. Well, he did. And you said, you broke rule number one as pertaining to supporting comics from hate groups. This is a Reddit with 2.5 million people in it. 2.5 million. And they banned this, you know, complete hate group? You're the hate group. You are the hate group. You hate people who don't think like you. You hate people that don't do what you want them to do. 
If anyone in this transaction is a hate group, it's you, man. It's you. Crazy. This guy's just making comic books. He's not a hate group. What do you even define as a hate group anymore? I thought a hate group was like a neo-Nazi or KKK or something like that. Like they, they, they say, um, they go on to say about this thing, basically explaining what, uh, you know, like they, they, they start off with these sort of very understandable kind of rules, like be civil, don't be no racial, sexual or homophobic or cultural slurs will result in a permanent ban. I, I doubt those pertain to saying anything about white men. I'm sure that somehow that doesn't fall into that purview. Uh, do not disparage or the differently abled. I mean, these are all the buzzwords of a social justice warrior activist, you know, environment. That's what this is. Um, but he says any form of bigotry or support of hate groups such as Comics Gate is not permitted. Once again, people who were forced out of the industry because they wouldn't go along with your agenda, with what you wanted, the worldview, the new, the message, as Mr. Cult, uh, Critical Drinker says. Uh, now, now they're a hate group. The, the amount of boiling hate and loathing and, and just vitriol that these people have, and then they have the audacity to call others a hate group is just spectacular. Really pretty amazing. Uh, so that's pretty much all this whole story is. Uh, I did see a few videos on, uh, on YouTube talking about people losing their minds and getting upset about this. Uh, the only place I really saw that was in Twitter comments. Um, personally, I don't really count that as news. I mean, it's just, you know, it's just another day. Like, that'd be like walking down the street and, like, some homeless guy's, like, you know, yells something obscene. And then you go to the New York Times and it's like, it's not exactly a story. It's just, that's the world, you know? But, I mean, you know, th these guys got to do what they got to do. They got to they gotta cover it. But, it, it, like I said, it's not, I don't even see a whole lot of pushback. I just see a lot of nothing because of, in my opinion, my estimation, this, this represents a really significant threat. So... I think they may have even learned from their past where, you know, they used to, what they would do is uh, shine a light on it and then, you know, call it bigotry, call it whatever they wanted to. And then normally that would backfire because anyone who took a, an extra step closer and looked into it would realize that's actually not the case. Obviously, this is, you know, this guy making a comic book. Like, what are the times we live in when someone making a comic book, you know, company just for like nerds to enjoy is now equated with like the leader of a chapter of like the Minnesota KKK. They're on the same level. This dude who wants to make comic books for people who just want to enjoy stories is the same thing as like a skinhead Hitler youth gang. That's the same, that's the exact same level of, of monstrosity. It's unbelievable. It's really, it's really wild. Like I, I was thinking about like, you know, like this guy who's kind of, um, you know, really tired of all like being like on the left and being cooked with all this SJW stuff. And he's just like, oh, all right. I mean, I don't agree with this. So I guess I'm a racist. And then just goes over to like, you know, a guy who's just sort of like a middle of the road conservative. And he's just like, yeah, so I mean, we hate black people. Right. And he's like, wait, what? No. What are you talking about? I was like, oh, I don't know. That's that's what they said. We thought that's what I'm supposed to believe. I mean, honestly, when it comes to this ban, it, it you kind of have to expect that there's going to be a degree of this. Like, they're not going to politely put up with it. They obviously never would. 
That's not how they operate. They've been destroying IPs and destroying communities and and slandering people and lying about people this entire time. So why would this be the time when they suddenly become judicious? That's obviously not what's going to happen. And and I think it's almost like there's kind of a degree of like wanting it to happen now because it's like now people almost look at it as like, oh, I guess I'll go check out that thing, right? If all these people who are constantly pissed off about just normal things like, yeah, I, I don't know if we should change all the bathrooms to accommodate less than 1% of the whole population and they want to start a, a civil war over it. You know, when you start, the, you start to see the attention coming from these sources that are really irrational and one-minded. It's almost like, oh, this is like an endorsement, right? It's like they all hate the terminalists. It's like, oh, I guess I better go check that out because they hate it. So it's kind of like, you know, it's almost like you kind of want to seek out these uh, people talking-ish about uh, the Ripperverse because it sort of validates it. It's sort of, uh, you know, it's like it's like those, those oak leaf clusters, you know, that they uh, are not oak leaf, like those – you know, they put on film festivals, you know, it's like hated by this blog, like AOC says toxic. You're like, oh, I bet this is really something. You know, Anita Sarkeesian gives it two thumbs down. You're like, this is probably amazing. What a masterpiece this must be. Uh, that's almost how you have to market your thing now if it's going to be anything that's worth seeing. Uh, all the right people hate it. You're like, okay, all right, I'm in. Let's check it out. I bet that's really good. Um, yeah, so... You know, that's Ripperverse. Way to go, Eric July. Fucking, that is amazing. I'm uh, really proud of him. Can't wait to read the comic book. And can't wait to see what's next. I'm really interested in about this world. Personally, I know it's a bit blasphemous in the dig- in the comic sphere, but I really hope they um, have a digital version of this at some point because I really enjoy digital comics. I know, I know. But I have, like, an Amazon Fire and... I love it because, A, it's all in HD. You know, I think it's a 4K, you know, and it takes up the whole screen. And I, and I zoom in on each panel and just go panel after panel. And for me, it's a really, a really vivid way to experience the comic book, experience the art. And I have the worst habit of looking ahead. Like, it's, it's not even like a thought. I just, like, absentmindedly just look to the next page or look to the next panel and see how the story progressed. And every time, like, ugh! But when it's on the tablet and I'm just going frame by frame, I don't even have that option. So I don't ruin my own experience. I know I'm a bit of a niche in that regard. Uh, however, I, I do hope that in the future we get some more Ripperverse comics that are digital because I like digital. Please put in the comments how much you hate that take. But it's, it's how I feel. It's, it's how I like to consume media. And there's no such thing as a wrong take. There's just differences of opinions. Don't you feel? Hmm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Uh, uh. Way to go, Ripper. Way to go, buddy. I'm not going to touch on this for very long, but I guess the Emmy nominations came out uh, today. Cue the crickets. Who cares? I certainly don't. Um, but I did want to mention it uh, only for a few reasons. One, because once again, uh, much like the Eric July thing and the good things not getting the coverage that they should be if, you know, all things were equal. Uh, Yellowstone, I guess, has gotten zero nominations, uh, which is like that's one of the few shows that I really hear about is so incredible. Also, uh, Yellowstone's prequel 
didn't get much. It got uh, cinematography and music. Uh, but I was surprised because, you know, it stars a chick. And they make it, you know, they kind of make it the chick story and how, you know, she dates like the Native American and she's like more enlightened than everyone else on the trail. Uh, despite that, honestly, that show is really good. Um, but it's kind of like this is sort of good. Like it's like, oh, it didn't get an Emmy nomination. Uh, that's that's probably like an indication of its quality. It's like back like when The Wire came out, that didn't get any Emmy nominations either. And it's like widely considered one of the greatest shows that has ever been created and finally started getting nominations like its fifth season and a lot of people think myself included that the fifth season is the worst one so their liking or disliking of things really should sway you in no ways because i remember like they were they were giving like every year like best comedy would be like big bang theory you know they 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 loved like 24 like these things that I just think are like, whatever, man. Like it's fine that it exists. And I have nothing against it, but it's just like, who's that passionate about this? Like this is amazing. You know, like I don't know. The Oscars are so douchey too, but at least they do they to a degree something that's like in, in powerful. I can't even believe I'm defending the Oscars. That, that that's an impossible take to have right now. Okay, I'm just going to abandon that. That's ridiculous. I I completely detract what I meant what I was trying to say, but it, it, the Emmys are just so utterly transparent and it's, it's like, who can, it means nothing. Once again, badge of honor if they're not mentioned. Uh, but I mean, you know, if, like I said, all things being fair, Tim McGraw and Faith Hill not getting mentioned is ridiculous. Like they were exceptional in that, in that 1883 show, nothing, no acknowledgements. Okay, fine. They were so good. Um, but I do have the list of nominations. I'm certainly not going to read them all because, oh, my God, most of these shows I haven't even heard of. But I will say a few things on here uh, I actually appreciate getting uh, nominated. One would be Severance, Apple TV Plus's uh, TV show starring Adam Scott. I'm actually – it's probably not a good thing because, once again, if it's getting mainstream uh, industry attention, probably bad for the show and the future of the show. But it did get nominated for Best Drama Series alongside Squid Game and Stranger Things. Now, Stranger Things probably would have been up there whether or not people liked it or not. But apparently this season's good. I haven't seen it. I quite frankly don't care. I've been watching the most recent season of Castlevania, which is not amazing. But, you know, I, I just I have no interest in watching Stranger Things. I just don't care. I'm glad you guys like it. If you do, go nuts. Have fun. Um, and then everything else is pretty safe. I guess what we do in the shadows is supposed to be pretty good. I did like that film. The original one is pretty cool. Um, Succession's got a lot of coverage on here. Better Call Saul, which is supposed to be pretty good. Uh, Yellow Jackets, I've heard, is good. Uh, there's a suspicious amount of women in that show, though, for me. Which makes me think, I don't know, what's the odds that I would enjoy it? Not that in a perfect world, women being in a thing matters. But in this world, in this current reality, when it's a lot of girls doing things, it's going to be like, oh, boy. there's going to be something in there that's going to really bother me or annoy me or just bore me or whatever. So I just saw the trailers. I was like, I'm giving this no attention. Um, maybe it's good. I don't know. 
I don't think I'll ever watch it to find out. And then the most, the lamest, most predictable one is the Variety Talk series. It's like, oh, you mean the white noise of entertainment? The comedic white noise of entertainment? The Daily Show with Trevor Noah? Ugh. I mean, you basically just destroyed that brand. You destroyed that show. Like, it's anything, any good will it had or anything interesting about it, uh, you know, it's completely gone. Like, I was watching this video, uh, like an interview on 60 Minutes with Trevor Noah, and they tried to make it sound like they said, oh, you know, when he first started, he was struggling to kind of find his footing and find ratings. And then he found his nemesis, Donald Trump. It's like, A, the idea that, like, it was just him. And not um, everyone in media collectively. Like it was just Trevor Noah just carrying the torch. You know, no one else sees him, but he gets it. He's going to get to the bottom of this Trump thing. Uh, But they said that that's what helped his ratings was his feud, quote, with Trump, which is like, so you mean everybody's mania of being caught up hating Trump and they were just desperately searching for more Trump hate content. And now that that's not the issue anymore, he's got it back down to being irrelevant. Yeah. It's almost like they were just exploiting Trump's presidency for clicks and outrage farming. Yeah. yeah, I would buy that completely, but I like how they try to spin it. Like he, you know, toiled away. He was in the lab and he was mixing chemicals and just Eureka. I've solved our ratings issues, guys. I know this is going to be a wild idea, but what if we criticize Trump? <laughs> you know what I mean? And everyone in the writer room was like, what? I don't know. I mean, we could try it. Let's see how it goes. <laughs> Trying to give him credit. Like he discovered fire. <laughs> no. No, that's not. Yeah, it's not exactly a novel idea. Oh, I really love this uh, Disney Parks Resort advertisement on the emmy on the uh, variety webpage with these kids riding a roller coaster still wearing masks still wearing masks in july of 2022 good that's good you just keep that keep keep beating that drum wef my god the times we live in but you're lucky you're lucky you have chosen, have discovered, have been led to a visionary, to someone who sees the light and gets it and then puts it on a microphone next to his cat. He's so helpful for you. Uh, you're welcome. You're welcome. You know, I. Uh, it's a gift and I, I have to share it. I, otherwise, you know, what is life? What is life after all? All right, so Emmy nominations, who cares? Whatever. I don't care if they nominated this show. <laughs> if they nominated the MF for podcast, I wouldn't care. Be like, oh, that sucks. Everyone's going to think I suck now. <laughs> um, yeah, I could care less. I could care less. I do have a funny story, um, which I saw. Oh, wait, what's going on here? Oh, no, I have to reload it. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, this one, this one gave me a good chuckle. Gave me a good old chuckle. So this is coming out of Flagstaff, Arizona. Flagstaff PD officers fully naked, 
fondled during massage investigation. Flagstaff, Arizona. Be warned, be warned. This story contains graphic details and may not be suitable for all readers. Okay? Go tuck in the kitties. <laughs> don't, uh, don't let them see this story. Why are we not scrolling? What's going on? Uh, t why won't this scroll? What the? What's wrong with this website? It won't let me scroll. All right, whatever. Uh, two Flagstaff police officers went undercover to massage parlors, took their pants off, and allowed themselves to be fondled eight different times. Experts tell ABC 15 that state law clearly outlines this as illegal. The operation, though, was approved by federal agents. Coconino, Coconino County prosecutors and Flagstaff commands and Flagstaff's command staff. Flagstaff Command Staff. The staff at the Flagstaff Command Staff, Staff Hall. Federal agents called it Operation High County Hydra. It's a bit melodramatic, don't you think? Like trying to bust jerk joints? High County Hydra. High Country Hydra. I mean, come on. I mean, that, that makes it sound like you're taking a hill in Afghanistan, but you're going to do it with like multiple multiple forces. Okay, it's High County Hydra. We got to get the Taliban up there. It's like, we got to get these. Jerk joints taken down. Why is that illegal, by the way? Why is it illegal to get a massage and get jerked off? Why is that illegal? That doesn't make any sense to me. I, I don't really see the harm to the community. Maybe, you know, the, um, what's it called? The, uh, you know, if they're human trafficking people, right? They're like human slaves that are doing it. Okay. But that should be illegal whether or not jerk joints are legal. Like, I, I, I don't really see the downside, but, you know, maybe someone can enlighten me. Uh, in 2019, a tip was called, called in about Flagstaff Massage Parlors accepting money for sex acts. <gasps> no! Homeland Security Investigations and Flagstaff PD launched a joint months-long investigation to try to stop the suspected human trafficking, sex trafficking, and prostitution. When the investigation was complete, not a single trafficking victim has been identified. Police arrested 13 people, though, after two officers went undercover and got completely naked. Did you think, like, some cop just got busted at a jerk joint and he's just like, Oh, no, uh, I was. this is a sting operation. Yeah, yeah, I was uh, collecting evidence for a case I'm building. Uh, yeah, yeah. And the cops are looking around like, oh, all right. They, like, got the case. And they got to keep going back in there. It's like, oh, you know how building a case is. You, you got you to gotta, you gotta collect evidence. You know, you got to do surveillance. Wire it takes time, guys. It takes time. We are in this for the long haul, okay? Don't, uh, don't, don't get cold feet now. <laughs> we need to see this one all the way through. Now you get in there and get your jerk dicked on. <laughs> jerk dicked on. Damn it. Dick jerked on is what I was trying to say. Oh, I got too excited. <laughs> but it's funny. It's funny. Oh, it's another day at the office. Another day in the salt mines. Getting jerked off while the taxpayers pay for it. That's yeah, a dirty job. Yeah, someone's got to do it. You know? We're civil servants after all. Ah, oh, don't even let me. Hey, honey, how was work? Ah, don't even get me started. You know, I, I can't. You know, when I come home, I can't be talking about the office. 
<laughs> the, the, the scumbags out there. If I told you even one story, you'd go white. Much like my massage therapist did. Hey ho! Hey ho! <laughs> yeah. How's that case going? Ah, yo. It's a tough one. It's a real, real sleuth. <laughs> we gotta, gotta put an extra man hours on this one. It's gonna require all my focus. <laughs> oh well, you know, God bless those men who serve the community. <laughs> They're doing God's work out there. They're doing God's work out there in Flagstaff, making sure, making sure, making sure they can get jerked off eight times, and no one else can get jerked off once. <laughs> Yeah, Flagstaff's a safer place now, guys. Really appreciate that. What is it you do again? How many murders were committed in the time that you were doing this sting? How many domestic abuse assaults? Did you even think about... Can we do the math on that real quick? See if maybe this was the proper use of police resources? Oh, yeah, that big old uh, telescope brought back its first pictures today. Did you happen to see that? It was literally everywhere. I couldn't avoid it. Uh, not that I wanted to. I just I didn't have the choice if I wanted to or not. I wasn't able to avoid it, uh, which is kind of cool, honestly. I mean, this apparently, I work with a dude who is super knowledgeable about all this stuff, and uh, man, he was excited. <laughs> he, was, he was pretty excited about it, and he was telling me about how this is going to be this new era, how it's a, it's a big leap forward in space exploration and us being a multi-planetary system and all this stuff and it was like I was, I was getting excited just by his level of excitement i was like oh it's pretty cool i mean when i saw the first picture i was kind of like i don't get it like it's the one that's kind of like swirly and I, I saw it and i'm like i i mean i'm no astronomer but that doesn't seem all that significantly different from the hubble telescope however then I saw this really cool video on Twitter about it, and that changed my perspective and actually why this is so important and such an accomplishment. So let me show you this video because I didn't get it until I saw this video, and I thought it was super cool. Super dope. It was like dope, you know? It was like super dope. This telescope image released first on July 11th, 2022 of this amazing lensed cluster of galaxies. We zoom in and out, we can see all kinds of incredible structure. The really important thing to appreciate is how much better. That alone is pretty cool. Just the amount of resolution, just like when she just zoomed in just a little bit, that was pretty rad. Like that, that you can still make out a lot of things like that close, but you, you got to see out, this whole thing. We can see all it's kinds amazing. of incredible structure. The really important thing to appreciate is how much better this is than previous images. So if we use this slider implemented here in a worldwide telescope, I can slide back and forth, and you can see there's nothing of interest, dude, really. That's wild. Standard, all sky. That's wild, dude. Like that. Like I guess the the surrounding image around here was what we used to have, and this is what we got now. Look how much more detail. Look how much more we can see now. That's crazy. Maybe my buddy's right. Maybe this really is a new time for humanity. Maybe this is a, like a, a a real definitive change in our engagement with the universe. I don't know, it's pretty cool though. Optical image. So let's just look at, you know, let's be fair. 
Let's go to a really deep near-infrared image, like unwise here. And we'll go back to this slider. It does, we'll trust me, this is worth it. There? The payoff is worth it. A very blurry hint of something. Nothing like what you see from this incredible image. Let's just zoom in again. Damn, look, look how detailed that is. At the incredible Look at detail. that. That is a lot. Now look yeah, at this. Picture. Dude! That's what blew my mind, was that. That zoom was like... Like I saw a joke that this is like a marble countertop, but it does just look like a marble countertop. But if you zoom in that close, and you can see that far away, at that level of detail... Like it's something like we're looking 12 billion years in the past or something at that, in, at that image. That's insane, dude. 12 billion years. I was watching this video on, on the internet the other day. Uh, let me just finish this, this video. This guy. Oh. That really is. Dude. But my, what an awesome, awesome image. So cool. That is really, really cool. Remarkable. But I was watching this uh, this video, and it was a kind of a simulation of how long, like if you the kind of a visual representation of like the speed of light, and it starts on the sun, you know, that's where light comes from, and then it was it just went straight out, and it wasn't that fast, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like in the scope of the solar system, like it really wasn't that fast at all. Um, let me see if I can't find the video because when I was watching it, I was like, that is kind of a bummer. Okay, I found it. I found it. It's called Riding Light, Traversing the Solar System at the Speed of Light. And it, like I said, it starts off at the sun, as you'll see. And now, like, you know, this is moving at the speed of light. Obviously, I don't even know if you can perceive light at the speed of light, but, you know, for, for the simulation. But it's like... Obviously, it's moving spectacularly fast, but not like that fast. You know what I mean? Not fast relative to the cosmos. Like it still takes like minutes for the light to get to Mercury. And when you're just like, oh, yeah, this is kind of a long time. Now, obviously, if we could move a spaceship at this speed, you know, and get to the other side to get to Pluto in a few minutes. I mean, yeah, that'd be pretty remarkable. But still, it's like when you think about that, it's like. Yeah, like it's a year or two years or whatever it is to Proxima Centauri, Proxima Centauri going as fast as the, the fastest speed that we have ever come across. And you have to have no mass to do it. And even at that speed, it's still several years to the nearest celestial body outside of our solar system, like the nearest star. It's wild, man. I don't have much else. I don't have much else on this whole thing. <clears throat> but if I, if I just kind of like speed along on the video, right? It's like still see the sun. Next celestial object is Venus two minutes away. You know, it's like it's crazy, man. It's, uh, you know, even though it's the speed of light, it's not, like I said, not exactly. Oh, Ceres. We're going to go to Ceres station and say hi to uh, Holden and. Naomi and 
Amos. And I'm referencing The Expanse. Get it? Ha, 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 But yeah, that, uh, that telescope thing, pretty wild. Pretty interesting development. Uh, space is nuts. Uh, like I said, I didn't really, I really wasn't all that uh, kind of blown away by it. I wasn't really all, all that, uh, you know, like I just didn't get it. It wasn't like I was like, whatever, dude. Took a picture like that on my iPhone. Not exactly impressed. But I was just... I just didn't get it until I saw the scope of what that image was taking. Uh, this is like, yeah, 13 million years or something like that. We're seeing like 13 million years in the past or some crazy shit or billion. I don't even know what it is. I'm too stupid. Watch someone who's smart who can talk about this. It ain't me, but it's really, really fascinating. I think it's, uh, I think it's great. Oh, as I look on Twitter, Ripperverse is trending. That's awesome. That's so awesome. Ripperverse is trending with 7,095 tweets. That is so cool. That is so cool. Way to go, Eric July. Way to go, buddy. Okay, one last, one last little tidbit. And this is a story, I mean, I just, you know, personally, I just can't care about it too much. It's just not really that interesting to me. Because um, I, I just don't, I find it hard. I find it hard to get emotionally invested one way or the other in any of these major properties, whether it be MCU or Star Wars or whatever. I just, I mean, I, I, I just, I just want to move on. I really do. I just want to move on. I just, I just don't, I don't even want to, just want to move on. I want to talk about Ripperverse. I want to talk about other things. I mean, I, 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 I can't squeeze that berry any longer. I just, I just personally cannot. I just have to move on to other things and I will. However, uh, Taika Waititi said making fan-favorite Thor character gay was, quote, really beautiful in this day and age. In this day and age? Really? He makes it sound like it's the 50s. <laughs> when they didn't show, you know, a man and a wife in the same bed. It's like, what do you mean in this day and age when that's literally all this media and entertainment does? So it's really beautiful to do exactly what all major properties do. That's beauty to you? I, 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 I thought beauty is like a little bit supposed to be rare, like a gem, like a treasure, you know, something that you find that's remarkably in contrast to all the other things that defining it is beautiful. If it's just the exact same generic decision that every single property makes, I can't really quantify that as beautiful, man. That's, that's actually pretty mundane. Pretty mundane. Not, uh, not, not in my definition of beauty. I don't know. Maybe I haven't looked at a dictionary in a while. You guys tend to change the meanings of words pretty frequently or these, these in this day and age. So who knows? Maybe beauty does mean uh, boring and predictable and safe in a way that seems rebellious. Um, but then there's another article right after it that says Thor 4 praise for confirming fan favorite character is gay. Now, the fan favorite character wasn't gay until he made him gay, as they just pointed out earlier. Uh, so praised. I'm sure they I'm sure they were praised by everyone who has nothing invested in any of it. Uh, I would like to see alongside that all the people that were upset about it and the reasons. I don't even care. Look, actually, I don't. Like I said, I don't want to get into this fight. I don't care. None of this matters. But why I bring it up, why I even dare to mention something that truly, truly bores me, is this is why the Ripperverse is so important right now or just so monumentous. 
because this is what the state of comic book entertainment is. You want to read comic books? This is what you're going to have to see. You're going to have to see genderqueer and blah, 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 and your favorite character's gay now, and also they're race-swapped, and the white guy needs to apologize for uh, why he's white, and uh, Red Skull is is his nefarious uh, vision is, is Jordan Peterson's moniker of clean your room. It's like, oh, yeah, you're really, really taking down the big villainous targets there. Uh, that's why Ripperverse matters. That's why Ripperverse is a great thing if you are interested in entertainment. If entertainment matters to you, if quality, interesting entertainment is something that you care for and that you don't want to be hijacked by people who have nothing invested in it, who have no love for you or for the thing that you love, um, I would say now is a great time to support someone who does. To purchase a property that hopefully will be entertaining and will live up to the code of ethics that he puts out there as part of the reason why he's doing this. I'm pretty optimistic. You know, I don't know what it's going to be. Maybe I won't even like it. I don't know. But I'm pretty optimistic and I'm going to support it because I believe in it. And, you know, if it's something that sounds interesting to you, I, I would say, you know, go take a look. Go see if it's something you want to support as well because, look, this is what we get. And I don't, I don't want to talk about it anymore. I really don't. I do not want to have conversations about why Thor Force sucked. I just – I don't care. I really don't. I just don't care. I'm just not interested. I'm not interested. I don't want to know about Star Wars. I, I just – saying the words, it's like bringing a bile in my stomach. I just – I just – no, thank you. No, thank you. Uh, so that's why I say this is why the Ripperverse matters. And that's it. That's all I'm going to leave you with today. That's the whole shebang. That's the whole show. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, thank you very much for watching the Ever podcast number eight. Uh, stay tuned. We have a new episode for this show. We, I mean me and Luke. Me and Luke. Me and Luke 8. And of course, The Wake Down. My producer, editor, friend, uh, who helps me out running this channel. Um, thank you for watching. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, let me know what you want to see from me at Foulball Productions. Because quite honestly, I'm, I still am kind of floating in what I want to make this channel about. And uh, if you're watching this, you're at least mildly interested in what I'm doing. So I would love to hear what type of stuff you want me to make because I might just listen. <laughs> I might just take your advice or take your direction or run with an idea because, you know, I started this channel complaining about media kind of like a lot of people did, you know, because it was it was it matters, you know, for whatever reason, whatever reason. I don't need to defend it or explain why anyone else did it. But I, I've kind of run that course myself you know i'm sort of at the end of that journey and i want to start the new journey uh, i'm not entirely sure what that's going to look like so if you have any suggestions i would love to hear them uh, otherwise this show is uh, available to you every week eight o'clock eight a.m on wednesday is when it comes out on all platforms uh including spotify apple podcasts uh, google podcasts on audible anywhere you want to consume content you can consume the MF for podcast. Um, you know what I mean. Not anywhere, but you get it. It's accessible. So uh, thank you so much for watching. If you can, leave some kind of a five-star review out there for this show. You know? 
give it a thumbs up on one of those platforms. That helps it get it trending, helps other people see it. If it's something you feel you could offer me, it's just a little, a little favor to your favorite creator. That would be great. Um, but even if you just watched, I appreciate that. Appreciate that more than you know. So thank you so much for watching the MFR podcast. I will see you again next week. Always check out the MFR Cocktail Lounge every Friday night at 8 p.m. Central, where you can harangue me, insult me, harass me, laugh alongside me uh, with all the boys, with all the boys. So thank you so much, and you have a wonderful, wonderful day. Bye, 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 bye.